hard heart. I mean, like true life stuff. Dealt with a family who lost a child. They were like one person before and the next day. And I get it, right? I'm saying legitimate, right? The next day they were totally different and honestly have never been the same. And you know what? It's hard to, it's totally unexpected. It's totally unnatural. I've seen it happen with people when it comes to sickness. They're like one person, like a sponge for Christ. And that steps in and all of a sudden it's the driest, most barren and hardened place. Church, it's real. It happens. But man, sometimes, um, how do you get there? Well, I think sometimes being a Christian over time, something happens and you turn from like a Christian that's actively receiving from Christ and actively living in that humility and in that grace and in that mercy to living in religion. And all of a sudden you, you become prideful in religion And you don't even realize it, but over time, your heart gets hard to the move of the Spirit. And you become logical. And you become, you know, I've sat in a lot of rooms in a lot of places and talked about a lot of churches. And what are we going to do to revitalize? What are we going to do to transform? What are we going to, we sit it as a DAB and we just maul over these. And many understand that we maul over these places of dryness. What is going to bring life to these places? And oftentimes when it gets down to it and you hear the stories and you hear the, the reason that the dryness is there is because there's been hardened hearts that has riven up in the name of religion and kept the active spirit and move of God from moving. Hardened hearts often have a hard time understanding their impact on others. Because see, oftentimes when we're living in a hardened heart, We're not even aware of it, and we're hurting other people, and we're not even aware of it. See, God has a way of making us remain aware and cautious of how we impact others. Hardened hearts can also be identified to the movement of God. Just being honest, right? Most pastors would say the same thing. Hardened hearts have a hard time with the move of the Spirit. Why? Because the move of the Spirit is not logical. And many hardened hearts are only looking at logic. They're looking at religion. They're looking at what's on paper. They're looking at, and so they rise up as tares and then people attach to the tares because it seems logical in our minds, easily attached to logic and to reason. But God is really not logical. In fact, all the way from the beginning, we see him working in miraculous and spiritual and and above human ways. So I want to take you on a journey of an individual, and um, I, I want to give you a quiz, okay? Give everybody else a quiz. I want to see how, you don't seem too awake today, so I'm going to see how you do, okay? It's, it's like your test if you're awake. Um, but in Scripture, there's a gentleman in the Old Testament, I'll give you a hint, Old Testament. Can you say Old Testament? All right, in Old Testament, that was referred to as having a hardened heart, and his name was? Pharaoh. Oh my gosh, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Remember, Pharaoh had a hardened heart. His heart was hardened to the Lord. Okay, say Pharaoh. Pharaoh. All right, you made up for it, kind of. Okay, so we're going to talk about Pharaoh for a minute. Um, And and what I want you to understand before we get there, if you're in your Bibles, I want you to go to um, Exodus chapter 5. We're going to be looking in there. Um, But I want you to understand something, because most of us get confused, right? When it comes to Pharaoh, all of the events of what we call like the Exodus, the Israelites being freed from slavery, and we don't understand why God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. 
I want you to know that today we're going to read the scripture which shows us that Pharaoh hardened his heart first. Pharaoh was given an opportunity to hear the people of God with the message of God and he hardened his heart and he actually tightened the grip he had on the people. And so first, Pharaoh hardened his heart and then something happened and we're going to work through that today and we're going to show you that there is a danger there is a danger to hardening our hearts. All right, you got your, your Bibles? Okay, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 5. If you would stand for the reading of God's word this morning, we're going to skip around. We're going to start in verse 2. I want to just kind of give you this scene, if maybe you're not familiar with it, kind of basic Bible story. But Moses and Aaron, Moses wasn't a real great speaker, and he didn't really want to do this, but God had kind of just said, hey, it's your turn, it's your time, it's your season, and he rose up and followed God. And so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, hey, it's time to like let God's people go. We have a message from God. It's time to release and it's time to move on and it's time to... And so here we find them standing before Pharaoh. And Moses says, let my people go that they might hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh went and began to make it worse, basically is what happened. God, right now, we would ask that you would just come and move in this place. God, challenge us. God, you know and I know that one of the greatest, greatest enemies of God's people is when a heart starts to harden. And so, Lord, we're going to pray today against that. We're going to pray that you would move. We're going to pray today, God, that you would just come in and allow your spirit to work. We ask that you would cast the enemy out and just bring your fullness into this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me kind of just give you the scene. We're actually going to go forward then backward in this event, okay? It wasn't a story that actually happened, and so we're going to go forward then backward. Um, what we find is that Pharaoh does something even more terrible. He takes away the straw that he was giving the people to make the bricks and to do all of the work. And so all of a sudden, the people are now struggling because they are doing more work. Not only did he say that, but he said, now you have to do more, okay? So here's Pharaoh given the opportunity to like, and he doesn't. He doesn't take the, he doesn't take the olive branch. He makes it even worse. And so guess what the people of Israel are? All right, let's just put this in real terms, right? Your friend, okay? Let's just say you got a friend. Maybe you don't, but we're gonna say today you got a friend, okay? And your friend on your behalf goes and tells your boss something. And you know bosses love when a friend says something because they got the information from you, right? And, and you, you go to the boss on their behalf and say, hey, they're really feeling like you're like overworking them. And then they come to you and say, how dare you, right? Send so-and-so to talk on your behalf. So Pharaoh says... I'm taking it, but double it. So I'm taking the straw out, get your own straw, and I'm going to double your workload. And the people of Israel get mad at Moses and Aaron. 
In fact, when you look at the translation, they spit, they, they were upset, they were, they were not happy. Would you be happy? Here's something else that happens that we can't forget about. You've got to think, the people of Israel who were God's people have watched the Egyptians rise in power, rise in might, and all along, something we forget is they watched the Egyptian people worship gods, lowercase g. Worship gods and, and get rain. Worship gods and increase in power. Worship gods and while all along, they just continued to have things harder and harder given to them. Now, I want to jump ahead and then we'll go backwards. Uh, but jumping ahead, we all kind of know the scene. Moses and Aaron go back after some dialogue and stuff and go back to Pharaoh and begin to speak into Pharaoh and say, hey, it's time for you to like really let the people go. Remember I said God was going to come down on you. Interestingly enough, in Sunday school, we forget to share this. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let him go. And so we understand Moses and Aaron start the plagues. And each plague, this is where we forget, each plague, it's not just random that God chose these plagues, okay? It wasn't like a random draw, well, I'm going to send flies. Well, no, actually what he did was he addressed every single God that had been worshipped by the Egyptian people. So every plague related to an Egyptian God, and God was saying, no, I'm more powerful then. And so I'm going to give you just a quick rundown. You ready to say amen? amen? Okay. All right, the first one, the water of the Nile was turned into blood. Now that's significant. You know why? Because they worshipped Osiris. I'm going to say them all wrong, so just say wrong, okay? Um, they're wrong. Okay, I'm going to say them wrong, but that was the God, and the Nile was considered to be the bloodstream of this God. So right here, God is saying, okay, I, I'm greater than this God. And see, what this is doing, this isn't just about the Egyptians. This is about the Israelites saying, wait a minute, God's been silent, but he's greater than Second plague, frogs. This is terrifying. If you know anything about this god, um, it's H-E-G-T, Heget. It was a goddess that had a female body with a frog head, and it was the goddess of um, fertility. And so here, all of a sudden, gosh, don't leave. Okay. Um, he steps in that way. The next one, do you all like lice? Okay. Thankfully, I don't have to worry about lice, but my children do, and so um, it's not fun. But have we ever had lice in our house? No, thank goodness. Okay. Knock on, this isn't wood, but hey, it's fake. All right, lice. These were tiny, stinging, blood-sucking gnats. It was actually related to the god Seb, which was the god of the earth animals. The next one, flies. They came in swarms. That is the fly god, a very strange god, Vachasi or whatever, V-A-T-C-H-I. Are you getting this? God is saying, hey, you haven't seen me, but here I am. You have, you've seen them worship, here I am. I am greater than. And church, what I want you to start realizing is what's hardened your hearts and let me tell you, it's legit. Some things that have hardened your hearts, it's legit. I'm saying today, it is real. It is hard. But nothing is worth hardening our hearts. Because maybe not in the time that we think, but God is going to show up. God is going to come through. God is going to work through. If we'll just stick with them. The next one, the livestock die. Apius, A-P-I-S, the bull god. The next one was boils on the body. Shkemet, goddess of the epidemics. They probably didn't worship that one very much. Anyway, hail and fire, the nut, the sky goddess. Zeth, god of storms. Shu, god of the atmosphere. God said, hey, and you tell me God can't come in. He goes on, the locust, which is based out of Sirius, God of the Crops, which actually goes further into Serpa, S-E-R-A-P-I-A, protector of the crops. And then the one God that historians say the Egyptians worshiped the most 
was Ra, which if you watch like those old movies and stuff, you'll see that God worshiped there, which is R-A, Ra, which is the sun god who was the most worshiped god in Egypt, having to do with darkness. And then the next was Min, the god of reproduction, and we see there Hege, again, the goddess of birth, the death of the firstborn. So the bottom line is, is that God came in and said no. When Pharaoh had a moment where his heart was being turned because only because of what was, not because his heart was changed, but because he was seeing the, God said, no, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to show the people of the world, my people and other people and everyone, that I reign victorious over all the God, lowercase g's, that they could come up with. And so God addressed one after another after another. The Lord Jehovah is the only self-existent and eternal God that exists. And I hope today that you believe that. So think about this. Pharaoh, in his own mind, was presented with a great, great God. But in his mind, he, he looked inward because he would have been considered a God as well. As Pharaoh, he would have been a God of the people. He would have been worshipped. There would have been statues of him. He would have been something that, and, and y'all, here's what's funny. When I talk to young people about this and, and different people, they say, well, thankfully, we don't have that anymore. I'm like, okay, now I'm not going to like get on or say names, but there are certain names in the world right now that if they said we're going to have a concert in Anderson, we wouldn't be able to handle what would come. And you can't tell me that's just because. They have names of people to follow people. Church, we're in like, it's like a big deal. The, the rich are rich because we have what? Made them rich. Because we have semi-worshipped them. We're willing to pay money for them that we won't give to the church. Let's just be honest. That's why the church hasn't risen up. So you can't tell me that gods don't exist. Gods are everywhere. They're just formed different. They just look different. They're not a frog with a goddess body. And so they don't look as, but my goodness, are we worshiping them? Billionaires that are just billionaires this last year. Because we made them billionaires. Are the churches billionaires? No, they're closing. Let's just be real. I'm, I mean, church, we have to rise up because God has greater things. And you know what's crazy is that these people that are rising up in wealth and in power and influence, they're actually speaking into people's lives. People tell me things and I'm like, yeah, like, are they, are they, like, do they have any, like, evidence or proof to even speak into this? And like, well, they're famous. I'm like, yeah, but, like, how about we go to the person that, like, got a degree in it? Or how about we get the person that, like, lived through that? Or how, how about we talk to the person that's, like, living it right now? Or the person that's actually in the army that, instead of listening to... So you can't tell me gods are not gods anymore. They just look different, church. I, I listened to a message about this and talked about the theory of, like, phones. And you, you look down to look at your phone instead of look up to look at God. And it was like a corny thing, right? But the more we look down, the less we look up. The more we look down, the less we look up. Hardened hearts occur and occurred in Pharaoh when he looked inward. And when he looked inward, he found that, well, I've got a God of this, of that, and of this. And if that one won't work, then this one will. And if that one won't work, then this one will. And how many times do we go into our pocket and say, well, if this won't work, then this will work. If this won't work, then this will work. Instead of looking up. And saying, the only way I can cure and keep my heart from being hardened is to stay intimate with Jesus. You know, I just, I'm just going to beg to say this. There are people in church today at AFC 
that are living with people, that are bonded to people that have hardened hearts, that I believe go to sleep at night and they pray, God, if you'll just release them from the hardened heart. Some of you live with parents like that, where you prayed your whole upbringing if their heart would just be loosed. And you know what? Sometimes I get it. So you know what Pharaoh did? Pharaoh looked at what he had as powerful, but in all reality, it was powerless. Oftentimes, you look at what you have, but when it comes down to it, it's powerless. The only power comes through surrender and surrendering to the Lord. So, what's the problem with hardened hearts? Well, they do a lot of damage. They do so much damage. It, it, hardened hearts do damage in the church, in families, in workplaces, because hardened hearts hurt, and then they hurt. It's why Jesus says, stay with me, because the enemy is going to actually come after you, and so when he does, and he hurts you, you've got to... So, so let's skip backwards, okay? Because um, remember, the Israelites were discouraged. God's people were discouraged. And yet they had this great God, but you know what? They saw for years all these little gods somehow working. And if you read the events, you see that like God did something mighty, then they called all the magicians and all that, and they would do something like less significant, but something, right? And then God's snake would like swallow them all. And so basically like nothing, right? But, but the bottom line is, before this, God made a huge statement. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 6, because God saw that not only was this happening with Pharaoh, but he saw his own people were discouraged. Now, I've said this all day, I'm going to say it again. I'm telling Hobby Lobby, like, here is a good statement, and, and on the advertisement, you should say, put this at your back door. And I'm being dead serious. So when you leave your home, you read this to remind yourself of what God said a long time ago and what he's still saying today. He said this, he said, Moses, my people are discouraged. I'm making this up. But Moses, my people are discouraged. Go and encourage them with these words. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery gosh, to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with great acts of judgment, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for your possession because I am the Lord. I mean, this is incredible. The God of heaven was just speaking into these people over and over and over again. And here's what happened. This is the most depressing part of all this. God's own people did this. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but, gosh, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Church, that is no different than today. God comes in and speaks life, and we're so broken, we're so bound that we just stay the same. I mean, God said some tremendous things. And so here's what we see in this. And here's why God had to harden the heart of Pharaoh at, some, at one point was because his people were just wiped down. 
They were hardened to God themselves. Pharaoh wasn't the only hardened heart here. And if you think in every church to gather today in America that there aren't hardened hearts there, there are. And they're living amongst us broken. They're living amongst us down. They're living amongst us needing to break that so that the Spirit of God can break in. Let me say it a little differently to you, okay? I'm going to break these statements down. And I hope that you can see the order that they are given. First, he says, I am the Lord. The bottom line is, whatever you've seen work, it doesn't work. Church, whatever you've tried, it won't work. Your heart will not be moistened, I hate that word, but like soft, right? Until you get to the Lord. He says, people of God, I am the Lord. Then he went on to say, I will bring you out. Let's, let's change it up a little bit. People sitting here today, I will bring you out of the bondage, of the heartache, of the hurt, of the, I will bring you out. He went on to say, not only will I bring you out, but I will deliver you. So not only will you come out of it, but I'm going to actually deliver you from it. You're going to experience greater days because of my deliverance. Church, he can deliver you from it. He can move you past it. He can rise you above it. I will redeem you. What's significant here is that he was saying, I'm going to triple, quadruple, full bless you and move in your life if you'll just hold on to me. Uh, and, and you see this all through scripture, like people go through a battle, when they get through it, they're like triply blessed, double blessed. Look all through the scripture. He says, I will redeem you. And then he said, I will take you to be my people. In church today, he's saying to your heart, I, I want to take you to be mine. I want to hold you like no one else has held you. I want to care for you like no one else has cared for you. I want to be with you like no one else has, has been with you. Then he says, I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And then he, he flips it. See, since we don't break these down, we don't, he says, then I will bring you into. That gives me chills to even say. So the state that you're in now, he's saying, hey, I'm going to bring you into. I, I wish if I had the chance or maybe all of us would wish this, that we could just go back and say, Israelites, if you'll just hold on, if you'll just not, because you know they ended up, many of them didn't get to see, right? The promised land, because they just stayed in a state of defeat, of always looking back, of always, and yet God fulfilled his promise. And yet today, many of us step back on the verge of the fulfillment of the promises of God. And a hardened heart keeps us there. Then he says, I will give it to you. We serve a gracious God. And I know sometimes it's hard to believe that. But if we'll step in these ways, he is gracious. And then he said, to end it all, I am the Lord. I think kind of my final thought, is the only way to shed a hardened heart is to step into the I will statements 
referring to what God will do rather than what you can do and what you can think. Church, your God has a desire to soften your heart. And not only to soften your heart, but to keep it open to the things that he has and desires for you. Here's the thing. If you live with a hardened heart, I'm going to give you just a surprise. More people know your heart's hard than you realize. Most of the time, people around you, they know that they know that your heart is hardened. I've lived with people, not currently, and I don't want to say out loud, that had hard hearts. And it was so difficult for them to get past it. And so all they did was just keep hurting and then hurting and then hurting. So much so that one day I said, no more. And the hurt continues. Church, if you live with a hardened heart, you're going to miss out on the promised land. And unfortunately, every person that Moses gave that message to missed out. And I just don't believe that you want to miss out. But you know what? A hardened heart is going to keep you from missing out. And you know what? I'm going to share this with you. I think if we weren't in a church session or in a church worship service and I was just sitting with a group of people that didn't believe God and I said, you know, hardened heart people, they just, they miss out. You know what they would say? Oh, they do. Because they tend to be prideful. They tend to be rude. They tend not to be able to read the room. They tend not to understand how they're hurting other people. So you know what? God is on to something. Because I'm pretty sure I could say this message and they may not understand the truth of what's happening in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they understand that people that have a hard heart are hard to be around. And you know what? We shouldn't be those people. We should be the ones where people just... And so, why not let it go? Why not let the hardness... Why not let it go? And then some of you, you've got people you're bound to that have a hard heart. Gosh, get on your knees. Get on your knees. Rally in prayer for them. Because they need your prayers. Because it's hard to live with a hard heart. God, as we end today, help us. I think all of us have either had our hearts hardened and we know how hard it is to get. But for some of us, we're living around people who have a hard heart and it's hard to deal with. And honestly, this whole, this whole scripture that we read, the bottom line is they missed out. The end product is they, they missed out on all that you had for them. And God, my heart's desire is that I don't want to miss out. And so I'm going to ask you today, if there's a way in me that's hardened, show it, reveal it. And I pray that that's the prayer that each of us would be willing to pray. God, guide us, be with us, protect AFC and the ministries that are going to happen every day here. Keep the enemy from it. And God, we just entrust it to you. We entrust our lives to you. We entrust this new property that's called new life. And I just pray that it would bring new life for your kingdom. And so God, we love you. We honor you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, don't forget your kiddos. So, you know, don't go eat and come back.